This week, we welcome Anastasia Casey of the IDCO and the Identity Collective to have a candid conversation about how our social media strategies should be attracting more of our future clients and not other designers. Anastasia offers guidance about where to find our dream clients and how to speak to them through all of our platforms. This episode is a bit on the long side, but there were way too many gems we couldn't cut any out. We even got Anastasia to share with us the moment she knew it was time to embrace the niche direction of her business and how she empowered herself to say no to anyone that wasn't her ideal client. She shares with us how she helps her clients increase their visibility and engagement online and how to sell the value of working with an interior designer. You don't want to miss Anastasia's amazing episode and our epic Kiss, Mary Kill Challenge Celebrity Sibling Edition. Let's go! Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hi, welcome to this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club. Hey, Rebecca. Hi, Sean. Our guest today is Anastasia Casey, who many of you may already know, and if you don't, you for sure need to. Anastasia is the founder and creative director of ID Co. Studio, a creative agency serving the interior design community exclusively. She is also the founder of the Identity Collective, a business and lifestyle blog dedicated to all things interior design. Anastasia is based in Austin, but her team includes a dozen members across three countries. Welcome, Anastasia. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's like a humongous honor. Oh, that makes us feel good. Thank you for coming. Anastasia, a great place for our listeners to start would be like, where, how did you decide to get into this like creative line of business work and, and, you know, working with websites and working with, you know, these types of fields? Yeah. So I went to art school in San Francisco for college and my major was advertising and I minored in graphic design and I thought I was going to go to an ad agency. And as a senior, I like needed to start making money. So I went to work as like a marketing coordinator for a commercial real estate firm in the city. And then I graduated and I just kind of stayed there. I was making good money and I sort of started to play around with websites on the side And, um, I ended up landing a job as the director of marketing for this really cool boutique luxury real estate firm in Austin. Cause my then boyfriend at the time and I had kind of been outpriced in the city of San Francisco. So we were ready to go somewhere else to try something new. Um, and that was a dream job. It was super lifestyle based. It was like a small close knit group. And while I was there, I was um, allowed and able to continue freelance work on the side as long as it wasn't in real estate. So I was doing a lot of branding and web design for, at the time, creative entrepreneurs as a whole. So it would be like salon owners or some interior designers or um, copywriters, just kind of photographers, wedding planners, kind of like that whole umbrella of anybody creative. 
And I, one of my freelance projects that my boss at the time had set me up with um, approached me and offered me a full-time gig as their CMO, making like 75% more than I was already making, equity in the company. Mm, it was like a nice. dream. But I, like I said, I had loved the company I was at. It was super close knit. And I was like, thank you. So and so company, I really need to talk to my boss. You know, she set us up. Like, I don't want a blindsider. Like, I just want to have this conversation. My mind's not made up yet. This sounds great, but it was definitely like more on the startup side and the company I was at was like very much established. So it was a risk for sure. Yeah. Well, I called my boss. She was out of town at the time. She said, hold on, I'm flying back. Meet me at the office. I meet her at the office and she fires me on the spot for being <gasps> loyal. Um, additionally, she calls the person that offered me the job and somehow gets her to retract her offer. So <laughs> in, um, an instant I was without any job um and at that point I walked out to the parking lot just absolutely in shock I couldn't believe it because I felt like what I was doing was the complete opposite of being disloyal but you're trying Um, to do the right thing a hundred percent and I called my dad before I called my husband naturally as one does and I just couldn't believe it and he was so reassuring and calming he goes Anastasia it's okay. You already have a company. It's just time to lean into it. Mm. And I was like, Hmm, that is really interesting. And he's like, do you want to go apply for other jobs? And I was like, dad, I don't know. I gave this company like my everything. I don't know that I could go work for someone else again. Like I don't reinvest your heart. Like, yeah. I'm like, (laughs) just be burned like that and certainly not compensated for it. Um, and so that was that. And I was really lucky that my dad was like, we'll never let you guys live under a bridge. Like you'll be fine. <laughs> Next day I posted on Instagram. I was like, Hey, I guess I'm doing websites now. Like hire me. And I was booked six months out in like three weeks. And wow. we have just been booked ever since. Um, the big what year was that? That was, that happened in 2016. September of 2016. Okay. And so for those first two and a half years, I was still serving all kinds of creatives. And then we can talk about it later if you want to get into it. But then there was kind of like a come to Jesus moment where I was guided to focus exclusively on interiors. And I feel like that's when IDCO like became what it is and what you guys know it to be. I want to hear about that. Come to Jesus. I know. <laughs> I really do. So I, there's this incredible brand stylist, um, out of England. Her name's Fiona Humberston and she had this work retreat in Mallorca, Spain. That was like at this incredible villa and she had set up a payment plan. Like at the time, like I was supporting myself, but like, let's be honest, I was not like making big. And she had like a monthly payment plan leading up to it for a whole year. So I was like, great, $300 a month. Like I can do this. I'll invest in this. Okay. So I go to Mallorca and it's very woo woo. It's very like touchy. Very bougie. Well, yeah, it's bougie for sure, but it was like very much like warm fuzzies and spiritual. Oh, crystals and sage. Okay. Yes. I'm I'm here for it. And I am 
not necessarily that person. Like I'm an actionable person. Like give me the steps, tell me what to do, check it off the list, go on. I think that there's like a time and a place for both. And well, Fiona told me how wrong I was because it was a transformative experience. It really was. While we were there, she said, okay, to be a really great designer, you need to decide who you're serving. And I'm like, I serve creative entrepreneur females. And she's like, honey, that is not a niche, not a niche. Mm -hmm. um, so she had me write down my five favorite clients and like the whole process, not just the work that we produce, but like the process itself. And I wrote them down and four of those five clients were interior designers. She's like, mm -hmm. Anastasia, friend this is your hint. <laughs> and throughout that, there was, I thought her on it. I was crying. Like it was so drama, you guys, like for sure. I was like, there's no way I could never turn down that much work to just focus on these people. It's like and telling you to leave clients behind. Yes. Yeah, she's like telling people, she's like, you have to start saying no to everybody who's not that. And I'm like, what? Like, okay, sorry, you're a rich person, but that's not how I work. <laughs> right. um, and through the four days, I started to like drink the Kool-Aid and buy more into it. And on the flight home, I rewrote the copy for my entire website and like came up with a whole new game plan. And from the day that I got back, I never booked another client that was an interior designer. And it absolutely changed my life. It changed my life. It changed the business. It's allowed me to hire 10 people and, um, being able to decide who it is you really want to serve is such an empowering thing. I just got chills. It's I love like, those stories. It's something that's so <laughs> like, we all want to be able to say like, I pick my clients. I do. It's like, I get tongue tied. We can, we all can. And I've struggled with it. I know that I would like, I know this isn't like, oh, I'm going to pretend I get to have like the the premium client I'm dreaming of all the time. But like part of it is like you said, you got to drink the Kool-Aid and believe that you can do that. You can find those clients and do that. Well, even before that though, it's the willingness to even dream of who that is. I think a lot of us don't even do that step. Mm -hmm. with, I mean, myself included. You just want um, the client that will pay your invoice. Like, right. We're afraid. Whoever. It's like when you're looking for your person in your personal life, like you're afraid to put it out there of what you're really looking for because mm -hmm. you're afraid to be disappointed or not find that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we're, a lot of us don't even put that ideal client statement out there. And I know a lot of your listeners are probably like, well, sure, that makes sense for like a branding and web designer and a creative agency, but how does that apply as an interior designer? And I have to say it 100% does. As an interior designer, you should absolutely still be niching down and really defining who it is you serve. And there's a lot of different ways you can reach that niche. It could be literally your brand style. And so like, if you have a signature style, that can be your niche. But it could also be that you really love helping married couples in downtown, like urban areas with no kids. And you really specialize in creating those kind of living spaces, or yeah. you're really great at problem solving for a family that needs to redefine their spaces and kind of come up with a better floor plan. And you have three kids yourself and you relate to those people and your clients are the moms at your preschool. It really is deciding who those it people me. are, <laughs> <laughs> um, deciding who those people are. So then once we start to get into marketing, you understand who you're talking to and you can find them where they're spending their time online. Totally. Yeah. I get so many leads from Facebook moms groups that I'm in. Cause that's just 
That's I so know smart. a lot of people there. I, lo- I hope everyone hears that because everybody <laughs> thinks that they need to be on Instagram. And I'm like, yes, but not really. That might not be where your target market is. So you need to be really honest with where they are. Yeah. Right. And I do, and I probably don't do that well intentionally because <laughs> I, I have a few friends in these mom's groups and word of mouth. I mean, it's not like I'm paying them or something, but I have like these little birds <laughs> out there yeah. that they always like put my name in the mix when someone's looking for help. So it definitely helps. Um, I feel like that happens a lot where do that. I, I was, a you know, in my past careers, you were part of like networking networking was like this thing and basically it was just like let's hand out business cards and chit chat with you and it's like no that's not really networking but the intent was for in creative you almost have to constantly be talking about what you're doing and what you're working on because it just has to stay in people's minds to be say i'm working on this kitchen project or i'm working on this family home and i'm working on this and I feel like that's more how we get attention for what we're circulating on versus like, oh, here's a place that's already been done that I finished is it's fresh. And those moms out there are thinking of Rebecca because they're like, oh, I know she was just working on this project or I see her constantly sharing her process. And so it's it's right at the front of their mind all the time. Absolutely. I think you touched on a really good point that I always coach my clients through. Anytime you are deciding, right, what kind of copy to write or like, how do you position this messaging or how do you keep it fresh? Talk about problem solving. What problems did you solve for your clients? So much of interior design, especially on social media is like, here's the after. And maybe there's even a before and after, but Mm -hmm. you aren't necessarily articulating that you know, the staircase cut the kitchen in half and this, this, and that. And that's why it didn't work for this family of five. But if you can articulate what that problem is, then your other dream potential client will say, wait, that's exactly my problem. This is who I need to hire. Or I know that they have the thought process behind what they're doing to tackle my unique problem. I love that. More people have asked me about small spaces after seeing my guest house project because it's only like 300, it's 378 square feet and it fits a kitchen and a bathroom and a foyer and a living and a bedroom space. And it's all like basically a studio. But ever since then, I feel like more and more people are like, if you could do that with such that small footprint, then I'm sure that you're going to be able to help us figure out the space planning of our small like bungalow that we live in. And in, in greater LA, there are a ton of these tiny, like original size houses. And people are like, I know we can make better use of this and it gets more attention, but it, it doesn't come up until people hear the process of, well, how do you plan for that? How do you, how do you cram all of this stuff in one place and still have it make sense and not look crowded? Um, so it's like telling that story. So I went to the design influencers conference in January. It was amazing. And I, I mean, there was a lot of really great takeaways there, but I, I made Sean, like, I tried to get him to come with me, but it just didn't happen. But I took him with me on she my drive to convi- San Francisco. You can usually convince me since we've like met at the inception to do almost anything else that she comes up with. And I'm not like much of a joiner, but I also don't want to miss out on a good time. So 
<laughs> and I'm really good at convincing people <laughs> doing stuff. <laughs> but, um, so I, I talked to him the whole way there. And then the last day, the last um, meeting, I just had been hearing all weekend about, okay, we don't own our Instagram followers. We don't own our Pinterest followers. If all of this disappeared, what do we have? And it really planted the seed in my head of you own your website, you own your newsletter, you own your podcast followers. Um, if you hook them into your newsletter, you own that community. So the last day I just had this thought pop in my head. Well, I'll step back. I went to the conference because I was really, I had structured, I've so far structured my business in the last two years to have interior design clients but I've also built this little bit of an influencing um, channel. Mm -hmm. I'm working on my home and getting collaborations that way. But then there's also this, I have three audiences, I feel like, designers. So designers love following other designers. And they're all looking for different things. So the last day of that conference, it popped in my head like, Sean and I need to start a podcast. We talk literally every day. For multiple hours sometimes it's stupid waste of time if we need to some of them this, some of the conversations not a waste yeah of time. <laughs> i'm just saying we're spending the time yes so let's like figure out a way to kind of make this because we're always just like chatting about oh what would you do in this situation or did you see that question someone had what would you do so the long story is the reason for this podcast in a way is to talk to that third audience that I've just accidentally built. So I wanted to talk to you about what your thoughts are like designers help designers, but they also looky loo on each other. Like how, how do we deal with those split audiences? Okay. okay. I know that was a lot. Okay. So you have to think about who is going to pay you or hire you. And so I tell all of my clients that on our Instagram captions, in our newsletters, etc., we are talking to our dream client and our dream client only. We are not talking to other designers. However, I do have some clients that push back on that. Like Lindsay Brook Design is like my oldest dearest client and she does these Monday mentor sessions which is not a mm -hmm. podcast but sort of the same concept mm -hmm. and she right. does these design business how-to's on her stories every other week because she does have a big following of other designers and right. for her she was she was outsourcing all of her marketing to me and that was financial resources that she would be putting out to potentially be talking to other designers which didn't make sense because she wouldn't get that return on her investment mm -hmm. so she decided to do her monday mentor sessions every other week because that was just stories or instagram live however she did it that was her own time she really liked it she got to have that personal connection so that's where she found a really good balance so when it comes to someone like you guys who has this podcast and you want to talk about all this and sometimes there comes in with potential copycats or looky-loos like you say and how does that continue to benefit a you should be monetizing the podcast <laughs> <laughs> whether that's through like sponsorship collaborations like maybe Kohler wants to come in and have you guys talk about 
resolving some sort of problem with plumbing fixtures and they can be the sponsor for that. Um, and that way it becomes. Kohler, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> but like we have done sponsored content. Like we did sponsored content for Lindsay's Monday mentor sessions. Um, and brands are looking to designers who have an influence in the design community. And so there is a lot of room to monetize that. Um, I don't ever want someone to think that like I only do things because it makes me money because that's not really my platform. But if you really break it down and you look at IDCO and you look at the Identity Collective blog, everything we do is talking to our target market. Everything is about interior design. Everything is yes. about running your business for interior designers and it's therefore a sales funnel. So mm -hmm. what I would encourage is for anybody listening, whether you want to start a podcast or whether, you know, you love your design community on Instagram, that's going to be your most engaged community, no matter what, mm -hmm. because you have to remember other designers are the designer are the people who are looking at those hashtags you're using. Those are the people who are actively commenting. Your dream clients are probably not following hashtag SM make life beautiful. Like they may be, but realistically, if they're hiring a designer, it probably means that they're not interested in interior design. Um, you know, if it's not a hobby because if it was a hobby or a passion for them, they do their own house. Yeah, they so, find a Pinterest and then just riff off of that and exactly enjoy it. Yeah. And yeah. so you need to be thinking about like where it is that your actual audience is going to be. And if you want to continue to develop this really important aspect of your business, which is fostering the design community, then I would encourage you to think about like, how can I monetize this so that it is adding value either a to my clients as well or where i can be monetizing this so that it's it's worth the time and effort it takes to put into this business mm -hmm. um because i can't imagine how long these take for you guys to produce and plan and edit and everything so that would be my advice is just to be thinking about the content you're producing who is going to be receiving it and what is going to be your return on investment with that yes and we've talked a lot about that um, yeah, it's really helpful and it's, it's tricky. I mean, I think I, I, th I like now want to go audit myself, but <laughs> I think I talked to my potential client on Instagram, but yeah, it's muddy. It gets muddy because like my kind of my position, my brand position is trying to be very me about everything. So I want people to hire me because they obviously like my style, but they also are um, comfortable around me and my personality. And it's like, it's a very personal experience and service yeah. that we do. So yeah. you're almost I'm, doing the background check for your clients by being present in your stories more and being in front of the camera and letting them see the ins and outs and your various like moods and spirits with things they that know are my dog's name you know like they yeah. already know a lot about my life so it's when they're ready i hope it's an easier step to make and not yeah as... absolutely and i think a really kind of like a rule of thumb is treat your feed as a portfolio like your feed mm -hmm. because if someone gets your name referred the first thing they're going to do is check out your instagram you want that to be super professional polished and like representing mm -hmm. Um, you know, the visual aspect of your brand. But then I really love to weave personality both into the captions. I think you can have a lot of personality in your captions, but also in stories. I think that's where you're going to be super engaging, where someone will feel a personal, emotional connection to you. So I think you're totally doing that exactly right. Um, obviously, there's no 
perfect way to go about this strategy. But I yeah. think it's important to just remember that your Instagram posts are only going to last like max 48 hours as far as their lifespan. After that point, then they're just an advertisement on your feed. So you need to be thinking about like, what is this advertisement on my feed after someone's already come to my profile saying about my business? Mm-hmm. I, um, I actually used to co-own a creative agency before I did this three years ago. And so I love what you're doing. I love how like niched you are. And my favorite thing I think about what you do is how just generous you are with information. I come from an experience where I felt like everything, all of our like secret sauce was held close to our best. And I just love that you kind of, I don't know. I would love to hear what your just mission is with that. And if you, I'm sure it's intentional, but. So I deeply, profoundly feel like there is enough work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I really truly believe that. And I also believe that you get tenfold what you put out into the world. And I feel like IDCO has grown. I don't want to say it's like this crazy pace, but you know, three years into it, I'm really proud of what we've created. And I have a group of friends. We had had like an Instagram um, comment pod. I don't know if those still happen, but like back Mm -hmm. in the day we had a comment pod and they were all fellow graphic designers or web designers. And we really became like a mastermind group. And those girls shout out to my creative click. Um, (laughs) We would share our contracts with each other. We would share like design proposals. Like there was no secrets among us. Mm -hmm. And as we were all kind of, well, some of the girls had been in business for a long time, but as we all kind of had like grown together, we each started kind of finding our niche and like, we're able to use that tools, those tools that we had learned from each other in different ways and in different, um, pockets of different industries and now everybody is like excelling in their niche and I think that really was just like such a blessing and such a um profound experience for me because I saw that like it's not always competitive like it doesn't have to be that way and I feel like the first step to making it not be that way for you is for you to not be that way to other people and for you to be the first person to share that information and to not feel like you have to have secrets because even if you give someone an exact play-by-play of exactly what your process is they still are going to adapt it and make it their own and hopefully they'll find a way that to even improve upon it and bring it back to you. So yeah, we do share a ton of information and we don't run ads on our blog and I've never wanted to kind of dilute the brand that way. And I just trust that we build, um, uh, intellectual and emotional connection with our readers and our followers. And when they're ready to elevate their brand and have a new website or have like invest in Instagram management, I know that we'll be the people they think of. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like we get so much more out of our followers and our readers and like, doesn't matter any number of hours we put into it. The generosity comes back. Totally. You're giving to people so that they will give it back when they can. I have been down many, many rabbit holes on your website. Like I think I'm going to read one blog post and then I'm like, new tab, new tab, new tab, new tab. And it's like 10 or more. 
where I'm like, oh yeah, they did talk about, oh, they talked about this. And then it, it constantly refreshes the idea. I need to restructure idea. my file folders. I thought Anastasia <laughs> has some information on that. And she does. You guys, yes. if you do not subscribe to her newsletter, you are like missing out on like critical information. They're usually like, like consumable Simple. bites of yeah. stuff. Like, okay, I can't do all of this right now. But there are pieces that you put out on, in the posts that are like, okay, you can do this like right now, right now. Go do this right now. Go go and like m- repost some of your Pinterest, you know, links that you've right. done before. At least get those refreshed up and do, right. you know, do this right now. And then here's some stuff that, okay, that's going to be a little bit long game, but you can take steps up along the way. And I find Or like when constantly. I know when I'm going to do my website, which I'm working on. I got to get those alt tags right. <laughs> so yeah. but I know you put some info on it. So like pinned it. And yes. it's really like I helpful. said, I'm definitely, um, I'm not, I don't know, maybe my team would think otherwise, but I don't think I'm necessarily like a super warm, fuzzy person. I'm like pretty direct. I try to be incredibly em- empathetic. I try to always lead with empathy, but I like actionable items. So what's, what's your I, Enneagram? <laughs> I am you know a you're seven wing eight. Oh, and I'm an Same. eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a um, seven eight. Sean's an eight seven, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's so funny. Um, <laughs> slash also not surprising, really. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't even remember what I was saying. We're soulmates, warm basically, fuzzy? is what you that just said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't say that I'm super warm fuzzy. And we can get into what it's like managing a team. But, like, I do just always want things to be super actionable. I think that you can, like, lead with warm fuzzy and, like, build that sort of level of trust. But, like, people generally just want to know how to do things. <laughs> so, right. Tell like, me what to do. Yeah. Tell me what to do. Give me steps versus like these kind of amorphous idea of like make make your feed engaging and you're like well what does that mean and I feel like that's that's where you have to actually put down the steps of are the colors cohesive does do your designs make sense are you using a similar or the same photographer every time like those are those are the how and I feel like that's where some of it can feel very insurmountable for other designers. Yeah. And I don't but know. You if need you the mechanics to... of things sometimes to just start doing it. Yeah. Another plug, we'll put all this in the show notes, but your interview with Michelle Bennett was like, I think I listened to it Boom. three times. Oh my God. It's so good. I mean, I feel like I've got a pretty strong understanding of marketing and social media and Instagram, but I was like, there are some nuggets being dropped in that episode. (laughs) I appreciate that that episode you did with her. And I know this was like a while ago already. It's at least a year or somewhere around then. But you didn't make it about, Oh, let's fight the algorithm. Like it. And I do feel like there's still some of that like pent up resentment. Like that's one of the thorns in like a lot of designers uh, pause still is this bitterness towards Instagram about, changing the algorithm and doing that. And I feel like, okay, we know that's not going to change. We know we can't control that. Um, And you really try to focus in on, but what can you do? What are we, what could you actually get done that could help some of that? There's no way we're going to get past all of their programming they've done. If you had to give some um, like actionable steps to our listeners, are there some things that jump right at the top of your head that are going to help them reach their audience better? Yes. 
So it's going to be a combination of warm fuzzies and a combination of actionable. Mm -hmm. So the first thing, and I mean this in an actionable way, but it sounds warm and fuzzy is like, just get started. Like do not not post because you feel like you don't have something profound to share because the algorithm rewards consistency. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be consistent. Mm -hmm. So as warm and fuzzy as that sounds, I really mean it. Like you should be posting six times a week. Um, we skip Saturdays. However, um, as we're recording this, we're in the midst of this pandemic and things are very strange and people are consuming media at a very much higher rate. Um, Pinterest says that their traffic is up 60% since quarantine oh, started. People are oh. just sitting around dreaming right now. Like, yes, literally. And so, you know, I'm saying this is a general when life is back when it's our normal schedule. Saturdays, people are usually out and about. So that's when I usually would skip. However, now that people are home, like permanently, you really could be posting every day. Um, and I do believe in following the metrics and the guidelines given, we post everything for all of our clients through Tailwind and Tailwind will tell you what time each day to post. And it's not like, oh, it's 11 o'clock every day. It'll say, okay, tomorrow is gonna be at 3.53 and then Wednesday is gonna be at 11.22. It's like very specific and it's mm. constantly evaluating your metrics and changing those times. So I personally like don't tell Aaron our <laughs> account manager but um she's also our editor at our blog and she'll do she'll schedule out our posts when we're like promoting a blog post right and so she'll put it into tailwind and she'll always use like the promoted time I on the other hand will get in there and it'll be like 10 23 at night and I'm sitting on my couch I'm like let me post to Instagram and then Aaron's posts always do so much better than mine and I'm like uh -huh. I should drink my own Kool-Aid and actually post at these times that are suggested. So we have this kind of like hybrid of scheduled, like brand content that goes out at a certain time. And then I weave in kind of more on the spot personal type posts. But I'm like, man, I probably would be growing a lot faster if I just stuck to the times they told me. <laughs> That's the seven in you. You get an idea. Yes. And you just yeah. To act on You're going to go do it. <laughs> that makes it more so, fun. I think that's, that is, I, and I know other, other forums have always talked about just get, get something, get something out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the best styling. It doesn't even have to be an after photo sometimes, but I have obviously the, the better the composition of the photo, the more likely people are going to pause their scroll to look at it. But yeah, I, I agree with like, just get something out there because it's odd how like the process photos have, maybe they get fewer likes, but a lot more comments. Like people yeah. want to be in on that conversation mm -hmm. about what's happening. And also people, um, they want like a cliffhanger. Like, I don't know, people eat that shit up. Like they want, they want to know like, oh, how's this going to turn out? And they, so they're engaging with it. Even if it's not the perfectly finished photo, it's almost like they feel that they could influence some of it while you're still working on it you might oh, yeah oh my gosh say, <laughs> in a good it. and a bad way sometimes you're like okay i don't no no comments from the peanut gallery thanks so much but um that's just part <laughs> I always of like what them, we though, because it helps me come to my real like if i'm really debating something it helps me and you have to be vulnerable well but usually my real uh, like the thing i really want to do will bubble to the surface because 
people challenge like, it or yeah and i'm like actually i'm gonna do the opposite and i like, right. <laughs> <laughs> forget you exactly. forget you guys yeah forget all of you i've got My a rebel. better idea along those lines content. as you're talking about like just post something i know that people get posting paralysis because they're like i only have one portfolio project or I only have two portfolio projects or, mm-hmm. you know, I've posted this project before. I am a firm believer in evergreen content. And I think you can get really creative with how to share an old photo in a new way. A few things that you can do is like when you get those hero landscape shots from your photographer, crop it in half to be a portrait. And then you suddenly have two photos out of one, um, plus the horizontal. Another one I love to do is we'll take a landscape shot, we'll shop, we'll drop it into Photoshop, we'll slice it into two different even pictures, and you can do that cool swipe thing where you oh, see like right. a landscape. It feels a lot more dynamic and have some motion in it. But again, that's a different shot than when someone saw that full landscape shot. Um, I True totally encourage you to reshare portfolio pictures like 100% because an Instagram post lasts max 48 hours before it's not in people's feed anymore. So, so they probably miss it. Yes. I mean, Instagram new. Says, like it used to be that a good engagement rate was like between three and 5%. Instagram is saying that an engagement rate of 1% is ideal now. Like, oh, I feel good about my 10%. So you're seeing very good. low engagement. <laughs> over most of their platform. Yes. I mean, 1% to me is very low. I mean, if you have a gigantic audience, that's still a lot of people, but. Right, but when you look at the ratio, like the actual percentage, you're like, no, 1%. I'm like, what do you mean? Only 1% of my people saw this. Yeah. And this is where, as you were saying, it takes you back to that frustration of like this algorithm. I will reiterate, I do think that Instagram is, creating this algorithm to benefit us. I really do fundamentally believe that. Um, and it just, as content creators can be frustrating because you want all of those people who have chosen to follow you to see it. But I also think that this algorithm is what keeps you loving the platform and what keeps you scrolling. So I do understand as why that has been created. And maybe yeah. like pushes people to be more quality focused and not just get lazy with what they're posting. Well, right. like Rebecca pushed me like two weeks ago. She was like, I just put together some of my stories into this app and now I'm putting it into IGTV. And that was like, Rebecca, wasn't that your first IGTV post? Yeah. And that was like the beginning of her one room challenge post, like the before it started. And I was like, okay, well, she's got a five-year-old running around her house right now and she still managed to put together a video. So like... <laughs> I'm, I have enough time today to do the same thing. Like I could do this. And truly everyone has been saying like, you know, we're trying to move to video, video's happening. It's a thing. We're doing it. We're go. Okay. We're gone. We're all sending you postcards from video land. And then I was like, okay, finally, let me just do this. And it was funny to watch how quickly the engagement moved on that video where I'm like, well, none of y'all been looking at my photos for weeks, but suddenly this video all of you are looking at this. So it it doesn't take, it didn't take that much time and effort to do it. And it wasn't a perfectly produced video. This is like my, uh, you know, where it like safe in place or whatever it's called now. 
Shelter in place. Yeah, safer at home, whatever. We're all, this was at home. Like I did this on my iPhone. It wasn't. Well, my philosophy, which I've told, which I think I've convinced Sean of, is like he's more of a perfectionist than I am. And my philosophy is like, keep the bar really low. (laughs) For things like stories and like I've kept it really organic rarely put on a face like i'm just gonna wake up in my robe and do stories sometimes because that's just a barrier to entry myself. for us yeah because i otherwise i wasn't doing it and so i just like it's only gonna get better from here so now i can just post in any way and i'm not worried about <laughs> it it's not for everyone but <laughs> i think a really you guys are so right like it is all about video and it's all about stories people are spending way more time watching stories than they are scrolling their feed um, I encourage my clients to set two story recordings per week. Like if you can get on stories on Monday and then you can do it again on Thursday, get up that day, like do your hair if that's what's holding you back right. and like, feel cute, get up there, like, just like. put it on your schedule and on your schedule, you guys can read all about editorial calendars and like how we plan out our content, et cetera. We even have one like literally written out for you to use as an interior designer but like you can just follow along with your editorial calendar and just build on whatever your post that day is um there are so many ways you can if you do freak out and don't want to be on camera which i totally get um you can still create great video content and just be doing a site walkthrough and you can be talking on camp behind the camera as you're doing a site walkthrough you can be pulling samples and pulling um furniture sources and like doing a cool mood board and it's just your hands like there's a lot of way that you can have really dynamic engaging content without necessarily being like here's my face and here's my kids running around in the background um or like oh i'm the supermodel if you just like don't feel like you're that person um or if you potentially have a whole team of designers and you've positioned your brand to not necessarily have the face of the brand it's more as like a collective i think there's a lot of ways you can do cool dynamic video that way you can do q a sessions with each of your the people on your team you can um have like right now i've been seeing a lot of people do these really fun segments where they're showing like what their work from home office looks like mm-hmm. and they do it across the whole team and yeah. people, they love that they're like yes yeah. show me everything please because they want to see the real person i don't know i have a person behind the curve. <laughs> I have a pet peeve when I start following somebody and I cannot find the person's face ever anywhere. Is that just mostly a me des- problem? No, mostly designers. I'm like, oh, I want to know who this is. And there's not, usually if I dig, I might find something on their website. But if I like go through their whole Instagram and first off, if it's not their profile, that bothers me. Cause I'm like, well, dang it. Now I won't know if that's you. And then I'm like, oh, maybe they were tagged in a photo. So like I'm cyber stalking, like clicking their tagged photos. Hey, to it shouldn't be it. that hard to get to feel like, you know, who you're talking to. Like, I don't like it when I don't know who am I talking to at all. Like, I don't know your name. I don't know. I couldn't put I a know. face with it. Like, is, is that, that something you tell clients? Like, <laughs> Um, I think <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> well, because no, well, like you're gonna have to show one. your face to your client eventually if they hire you. I don't know. I think people just want to know who they're talking to. Yes, I think they do. But I also think, I, I honestly, I truly feel like it's a personal preference. I think that you can have really great dynamic, dynamic, engaging content and not have 
pictures of your face everywhere. I've also had to tell clients to stop posting stories of what they're eating for breakfast. Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because I think people can get, um, I think there comes a level of vanity with how often you're posting on your stories and how often you decide to get on camera and talk to people. And for me, I, if I was going to hire someone, I don't want someone who can take the time to upload four hours of stories a day. Right. Like they should be working. So <laughs> yeah, where's where are those construction drawings I need finished? Like, oh, but you're right. on. Yeah, there is that so, pressure if you have a delay with a client, but yet you have time to be posting all of our stories. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I just mean when there's no sign of the like. I've done this where I'm like, I'm just gonna see. I go down this rabbit hole where I'm like, I'm just gonna see if I can find this person what they look like I don't know I don't know why so we have a rule that one every 14 posts for our clients is going to be a headshot but then like of course we have other clients like Palachuk they don't have headshots like even though they're a family company yeah if we're not putting Andrew's face on the feed so I really do think that there's a time and a place well that's a huge company yeah I guess yeah but I mean it is a family-owned company so some people would say that there should be their faces all over it um, and mm-hmm. so I think it's about positioning, like how you want your brand to be interpreted. Like, are you, I always take it as, do you want this to look like this is your hobby or do you want this to look like it's your job? Mm-hmm. Totally. It's a, good it's a balancing act. I yeah, mean, I, I think, think it's great. I love when people pop on and talk on stories. I think that Lindy Galloway does a great job. Mind you, she does have like an entire in-house video team. Yeah. <laughs> but but she's to the she, nth degree like but she does a great job of being like this is always on brand content and she's chosen to invest in that part of her marketing and her business um i love the way lindsay does stories i think lindsay brooks design does great stories she'll show behind the scenes and she'll do walkthroughs um obviously shay mcgee like when she's doing walkthroughs if i see her post a story i will pull over my car and be like please walk me through your house like what are you doing oh yeah (laughs) i think that there are great ways to do it i just don't want people to think that they need to be like documenting their dog walk and then you know what coffee they're having that day and all of these other things i think that every message you put out there should be intentional it should be informative or entertaining and there should um there, there just should always be a purpose to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally I still agree. maintain my personal Instagram account that I'm like protective of because it's like my close family, close friends. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty tight group of people. And I'm, I, I really don't, I mean, a little overlap makes sense because some of my family and friends are obviously interested in what I'm doing professionally. But then I just tell them, I'm like, well, then you need to go to Renstead Interiors if you want to see that, because I don't, I'm not going to double, double share content and not all my friends want to see that stuff. And I don't want them to get turned off of that. And then I still do interact with friends or family separately from my business. And I know it's a weird, it's sort of a weird line for everybody to, to deal with, but Yeah, no, I love that separating the two. And I think that, I mean, I think weaving personality into your brand is so important. And I think, like you said, like putting your face out there, especially if you serve, if like your clients are like, you're very um, locally specific, like you do X, Y, and Z neighborhood. And like, you're not necessarily doing like projects all over the country, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, People, A, you want people to recognize you. They're like, oh my gosh, I saw her at Starbucks or like she, her kid does go to my school. That's super important. And people love to watch people sit there and talk. I just, 
um, you know, just make sure you're giving behind the scenes, talking about your design process, like showing the samples you're picking, why you didn't do this, go over revisions that a client gave you and be like, so this is a feedback we got. This is what we're going to tweak to present to them next. I think that showing your process means that you are providing people with evidence to justify your costs and what yeah. you're charging people. I think a lot of people, if they haven't worked with a designer before, or they worked with a designer before in the past, and they had a completely different process, will often push back on pricing. And you want to be positioning yourself so there's never a question of your hourly rate. And I'm gonna tell all of you guys, you should be at least doubling your rate at this point. Uh, raise your rate, people will pay them. No matter what the number is, and that's what I like about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> no matter what the You don't care what the number is, It's we need to be elevating all of us the industry right and so by showing people what those behind the scenes like what is happening when they're not sitting there watching you even like how many hours does it take you to put together a design presentation after you've already completed the design i mean that's like a four or five hour project in mm -hmm. itself and so yeah. by being able to provide someone that back end and to show them how much thought goes into this i, I get so frustrated with people who think that interior designers are decorators and like they just know how to put together pretty things because like there is incredible amounts of math and project management and geometry and just so much that goes into that and someone who isn't in the industry they just don't know that and you can't expect them to know that so you want to create content whether it's a blog post that someone can read that you can link to in that inquiry email when they're asking you questions or stories on your Instagram, you want to be able to provide them that education so that they're like, heck yes, you should bill me at $435 an hour. Damn. And especially for Rebecca, who was working on calculations for drapery treatments earlier in the week, she was like, oh my God. And that takes, a, to make them come out right, it takes an inordinate amount of time and thought to how everything works together and then everyone just looks at it and thinks like oh, i just bought these at target they look great and you're like hold yeah, on yeah but if they're one inch too long <laughs> you're gonna notice yeah yeah so there's there is a lot Watch of time that goes into it that i think is unexpected for a lot of clients to it, it looks so easy because we're too busy making it look too easy yeah. and i'm kind of taking from what you're saying anastasia of go ahead and show how the sausage is being made a little bit that yes, they should see that yes people love the, like pe people get the more you know about something the more interesting you find it so the more that they can know about the process the more interested in it and the more they realize that this is not a luxury service this is a must-have thing that i need in my life and that's what your goal is to explain to these people that this is not some frivolous expense like this is going to improve your life and this is how we're going to make it happen so i am so um i just think it's so important to be showing people like all that goes into what what goes into design decisions and design presentations and ordering Problem and receiving solving. and installation yes exactly Gosh, preach hallelujah like yeah <laughs> i know the whole like receiving and installation process like i'm always so overwhelmed with the day to like document it properly but Right. Then it's hard to sell when someone doesn't know exactly how that all goes. So and you see like a whole moving truck full of cardboard and plastic yeah. and you're like, otherwise this would be sitting in your driveway. Like or each of these was gonna be a separate delivery that you'd have had to been home for. Does that sound like something you want to do? Sound like fun. 
Um, I was talking with a client recently and we came up with this great idea because yes, install day is like impossible to actually remember to stop and document it. A couple quick ideas. A, you can set alarms on your phone that hopefully someone can remember to like, yes, let's document this throughout the day. Even if you just take a quick 10 second video and then you go ahead and post it later, you don't have to like take yeah. the time to post it live. But talking about receiving. So I know that a lot of people everybody builds differently, but let's just base it on the fact that receiving is a flat percentage on their total goods. Mm -hmm. So for instance, let's say you add another 10% on top of like your total um, furnishings and decor budget. What you could do is work, talk to your receiving warehouse and say, Hey, can I come do like a Q and a interview with you? Can we show people what it's like as we receive a piece of furniture mm -hmm. and you inspect it, you repair it. If it needs it, you tell me if it needs, like you contact me and let me know that we need to reach out because it came damaged talking about all of that time. Plus the time or the cost of actually storing the physical item that this family does not have the space <laughs> to mm -hmm. store a whole house of furniture. So that is great content you can create too, is like explain what this process is so someone can really see it. And then it's like, oh, of course that's gonna cost 10%, makes sense. That's a good idea. And it would be smart to just have that as a video that you could also share in your proposals or your onboarding documents. I love that. that. Like, yeah. Don't ask, like, cause sometimes certain clients like, the ones that don't like to pay for shipping from an online retailer. So the retailers just bake it in and call it free shipping, but they're still paying for it. Like someone's paying for right. it. You just don't see the line item. But it's we different don't. when you can see that person at a receiver who's like doing all of this physical labor for you. It's hard for some people to not be appreciative watching their whole house get filled up and knowing what that looks like and realizing how much lifting moving messiness like right literally y'all my garage is filled with cardboard because we've been getting so much furniture lately and our in austin which is so bizarre your recycling only gets picked up every other week which i'm like that doesn't really encourage people to recycle by the way no but <laughs> most every week something's going in the trash if that's not the recycling week like, right or it just stays in my garage because i refuse to throw it away but at the same time i can't get it into the recycling can but my point is that people realistically, if they're receiving a whole house or a whole room, let's just say it's a room, a whole room of furniture, they're just going to receive boxes and that's just going to stay in the box until their designer comes to install it. So even if it was getting shipped to their house, they would need room for all of those things in boxes, which means they, they never inspect it. And then right. their project is prolonged. Broken. Those to install day, then something's broken. And then all of a sudden we don't have that coffee table for another eight weeks because we have to wait for it to arrive. So there's just so many places where you can really explain your process, justify your price process, and then justify your prices. Yes. Totally. Yeah. I, I think that's smart to, do that it's been kind of on my to-do but i like the video aspect of it you could also literally email them over questions like do a q a interview mm -hmm. if you're like no you cannot come faq yeah. yeah um an faq would be perfect too and they can get back to you with that i mean these are the same questions you should be asking your receiving warehouse when you're finding a receiving warehouse they should be able to answer those questions for you and if they hesitate to answer those questions then you need to find another warehouse yeah they're probably answering them all the time anyway. Yeah. 
Exactly. So to be able to have that as an additional kind of tool in your pocket to present to people is just super beneficial. And when that question of like, what's this extra 10% markup or, you know, whatever your markup is, or if, if you do it like a flat rate, like, what is this? You can say, well, this is what it is. Yeah. Here's everything that comes with that. Yeah. And um, just like you were saying, if it's included in your onboarding materials, like when you first get your inquiry, then there's also no surprises. Then there's no uncomfortable conversation of like, what is this extra 10%? So people can know up front. I mean, those are things you could have on your blog that you can refer to them before they even get your investment guide. Yeah. I also wonder like if the there's a way to make it feel more like of a luxury because you're yeah. doing this already through Target offers free shipping, but they're baking it into their price. They're making it really one size fits all for you. But this is a luxury service where we're kind of, Giving, breaking it down for you where you're seeing how this really works in the world because we're not upcharge like I don't upcharge receiving or installation from them I don't know am I making sense like it's you're getting a peek into a world that you wouldn't normally get if you were just gonna buy something from Macy's you're getting to see what white glove means you're getting to hear a little bit more about like how interior designers work. Does that make sense? Like, I think there's a way to just package it so it feels like, oh, this is kind of special. I'm not just getting the McDonald's version. It's customized oh, for them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's called White Glove for a reason. Like, it's fancy. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that might be, some of that is the um, overexposure to what we thought, what we think, uh, you know, an upper scale, an upscale, but it's like, we've changed our frame of reference to some of that, that this is like truly like right now too, I'm thinking like times of COVID-19, This it is a first world problem to have of like, my garage is full of cardboard and like we have to explain to people. It's like, yes, we recognize that our clients, we are all in a fortunate place to be able to have those problems and to be talking about them. But going back, Anastasia, you were saying like, this is an investment in your happiness. So this this is something you have control over but we want you to know what you're getting with it and how it works and, and i also wonder like, if we have more respect like i wonder if coming out of this one of the takeaways might be like a slight more slightly more respect for these delivery services and people that are out there keeping the world running because now we really know where the breakdowns happen mm -hmm. like if toilet paper doesn't get delivered because the freight warehouse isn't getting it or blah 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 like the chain of supply is a real service chain yeah it's been like super highlighted now and that's very up maybe it'll help us explain it <laughs> um another way to help position it as like this is such a luxury which it absolutely is is it's also an added value because if you are ordering things retail and it comes to you flat in a box then you would need to tell your client okay our rate for installation day is X, Y, and Z. But if I have to build that furniture that day, that's suddenly a three-day install and you've now paid this much more money because that furniture has to be built. When you are sending stuff to a shipping or a receiving warehouse, A, it's like, like if you're buying from a vendor, typically it's put together, but the receiving warehouse builds the furniture for you. So it's either you're paying for my design hourly fee or you're paying for this much smaller 10% fee. So um, it is a value add as well as a luxury. And you're getting a higher quality item for yeah. that price versus someone and you installing don't have to it. Deal with styrofoam crumbles in your house. Oh my right. gosh! Blowing around in your driveway for four weeks later in your <laughs> landscaping. <laughs> if you're at my house, like 
worst mistake ever. Like trying to break down the foam to put it in the bin means that it's foam confetti all over your driveway. Like, My husband literally sure. has styrofoam phobia. Quinn will like, he, something about the sound he like does not like, uh, but he like freaks yeah. out. So he's like, if you get furniture, you open it in the garage. I will carry it into the house for you, but you do not bring that styrofoam in. <laughs> so does it want to see it? No, he can't even look at it. He's like, nope, you have to take this one. I'm like, <laughs> that, that squeak is kind of gross. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty rough. I, but I, you know, it's like a modern world equivalent, you know, to being scared of like spiders or something. <laughs> in your house, hate, it's styrofoam. <laughs> I hate like at the nail salon when they pull the cotton apart. Ooh. That gets me. Oh. That one gives me chills. But styrofoam, I can handle. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel, I feel that. It's like so, a... If I want to go back, Anastasia, on early in the podcast, you mentioned getting in, like, where, getting where or being where our clients are online. And I know that you do some of the feed management and social media management for your clients. What are your tips or what are things you're doing to get them? If you can share with us some of it, I don't want to like you know. I'll share everything. I, <laughs> I share everything. Um, our service Thank is you. the time that's spent doing it. It's not a secret to what we do. So um, first be thinking about like what neighborhoods do you want to work in? Like if you say that, you know, your minimum project is $150,000 remodel, then okay, who are, who's spending that? So first be targeting your neighborhoods. What you're going to do from there is target geotags of those neighborhoods. Um, and then you can go through and see all the posts that are in there. We'll then go into those neighborhoods scroll through like the last 20 posts or so find the ones that like look remotely interesting like some are like spammy and gross or whatever so like you'll skip over those but you know of the last 20 posts we'll go and like and comment on the last fifth like 15 of those last 20. Mm -hmm. so we are actively outbound engaging with people in the, our desired neighborhoods and we have a great story that i always like to reference um that Lindsay had told us, hey, I really want to get into Brentwood. And so in our community manager, I told her, I'm like, hey, you need to start targeting Brentwood. And so she had started um, liking and commenting on posts at private schools in that area. And Lindsay booked her biggest job at that point to date because a woman DM'd her and was like, hey, does your kid go to our school? I'm really looking for an interior designer. And she was like, no, I'm, I'm just really trying to get my name out in the area. And so I'm trying to get more involved in the community. And she's like, oh, I love that. She's like, can we set up a meeting? And so the trick is you have to remember that unless someone is super into interior design, they probably are not spending their time looking at these hashtags that we all use amongst ourselves in the industry. So yeah. you need to be thinking about what gyms they go to. That's where you're going to go spend time commenting and engaging. And they don't have, they're not spammy. It's literally just commenting and reacting to the posts, like genuinely of whatever it is that had been written, leave a genuine comment. Um, and it's just about like brand awareness, getting yourself out there because when someone likes your comment or replies to your comment, you usually click over to their profile. It's just super natural. You're like, Oh, who is this person? Yeah. And that's where you're going to be like, that's where you start to grow your followers. And that's where you'll start to get your inquiries. So geotags is one specific like hotspots in town like if there's this cool boutique like I will always go through and like troll those comments and I'll be like oh girl I love this blah 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 mm -hmm. it's just about where are those people spending time so it's going to be at their preschools it's going to be 
um, the country clubs or it's going to be the local baseball fields or whatever it is. You just need to be thinking about where it is that they're actually spending that time. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that we do. Um, additionally, this is kind of more of an engagement thing, but we always respond to every comment we get. Um, sometimes it'll take us up to 24 hours because poor Anna has to go through and I try to get to a lot, but you know, when you're getting a hundred comments on a post, I'm like, Anna, that, that one's all you. We'll respond to every comment and every, you will like every single comment as well because Instagram does weigh a, like a heart as much as a comment. Um, oh. Instagram has debunked the fact that you need comments that have three plus words or five plus words. Instagram says that's not true. Can um, an emoji anything. account? Does one Just an emoji counts. Yeah. Okay. Now okay. the trick is you do have to think that when someone sees just an emoji is another person is likely to engage or if they start leaving actual comments is someone more likely to engage and be like, I agree with that. I right. disagree with that. So um, th I think that's where the value of longer comments comes in. But I think you should reply and say thank you so much to every comment. If someone's taking the time to actually write something, I try to make sure we always get back to them. Um, and then I also would just, before any time you post, go to one of those geotags. Go to either the store, the geotag, whatever it is, outbound engagement, like and comment on 10 other people's posts that are not people that you normally follow, then post. Because just like I said before, when someone sees that this new account that they don't recognize likes or comments on something, they click over and then they're mm -hmm. going to like your most recent post. So you're outbound engaging to invite them back to your profile from there they can choose to follow you or not and so maybe they choose to follow you and maybe you don't but you can't expect people to just find you when you're using the same group of designer hashtags and they're not a designer right and do you um, comment on new followers do you go over and comment or like or anything i i've heard that i think that's a great idea <laughs> um, <laughs> but it may not necessarily lead to what you're thinking of right is that well, no, honestly, it. it's just like a feasibility Sometimes they're private. Like, like, a lot. like on some of our larger accounts, I mean, we're getting like a thousand followers a day. Damn. So obviously a lot. And yeah. a smaller account, a newer account, I think that's fabulous. I think the more you can create that personal connection, um, it, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand followers or not, <laughs> you only need to book that one client. So mm -hmm. right. it, 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 I don't want people to get caught up in the numbers. I just mean like realistically, in a larger account, you can only see your last 50 um, notifications. So, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, if you just posted and a post that I posted an hour ago has 600 likes, I can, or comments, I can only see the last 50. And so that means that all those other followers that were before that, like I never even get to see that they started before. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little tricky, but I love the idea. If you're like, this is still manageable, I want to be super involved. I think either sending them a DM and say, thanks so much for the follow is so great. I would stay away from being like, if you ever need an interior designer, like think of right. me because they already know that you're a designer, but to just be like, thank you so much feels really good. Yeah. Or even just going to their, if they're um, public, just going over there and liking a few things that they've posted. Yeah, totally. Even if you're don't, if you don't follow everybody, like that would be a lot to add, but I like getting all this. That was like in the nitty gritty for me. And I was like, oh, like it never would have crossed my mind to go to feeds, other people's feeds first before I post I know. and like and comment. Like, I'm just like, you say it and I'm like, 
Well, duh. But then I've you're like it makes priming sense the pump for, for your yeah, advice. yeah. It makes yeah. sense totally when you say that. But it and it really is. I it I agree that it's not the follower number. It's like okay, that's great, and, and it can be and um it can be an ego boost. And it can help you at least feel like okay, I'm reaching people. But the the most important part for me is to be able to bring home a paycheck. So it's getting yeah. the client work that helps me do that so I can keep, you know, supporting, you know, and contributing to my family and my life that I need and, you know, keep my doors open. So it's not as much as it's great to get over 10 K and do all of that. It's that's that for me is the smallest part of it. The biggest part is even if just one of them is a potential client that's going to call me in a couple of weeks, that's helpful. Um, I just really honestly, want the swipe up. um i mean smaller accounts have way better engagement i mean a smaller account probably has somewhere like 30 40 percent engagement rates i'm talking like accounts under a thousand under three thousand um those people are like those followers are way more likely to book you than when you have you know fifty thousand followers and it's a you have to do a lot more marketing for them to be like, yes, I want to work with you. Yeah. So, it almost feels like you're unattainable when you're, oh, they're so big. They'd never work with me. almost like, or just like, you're not just from get the algorithm itself. There's fewer people seeing your post as you get more followers, which is very reverse psychology esque. But like, yeah. um, when you have quality followers and you have a following of 3000 people and you know that a thousand of them are seeing your posts, like that's way more powerful than when you have 30,000 and a thousand people are seeing your posts. Totally. Totally. So do not stress about the numbers. They literally mean nothing except potentially brands reaching out because they want you to post something for that $30 free item that they're going to give you. That's going to cost you more money to produce anyway. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Keeping okay, it real. One, one more of these questions because I am like, I think I'm third. I think I'm at eighty six hundred or something. Yay! I feel like it's like in my sights, and now it's just the thing I want. It is. So, do you recommend like giveaways or anything that's kind of like that? I think giveaways are fun. Um, I think you could be creative about how to make them strategic. I understand that at 8,600, like your goal is to hit 10K. Um, Giveaways can end up being a lot of follow and follows. So someone Mm -hmm. will follow you and the giveaways over and then you drop back below 10K and like what could be worse in life than like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, you know, you have to be strategic. It's like, maybe it's tag a designer friend or maybe I think you could just be specific about what your actual goal is because I really do believe in quality over quantity. Um, Or go ahead and do the giveaway and you can hit 10K and, you know, hopefully you go far enough over 10K that when those unfollows happen and they do happen, um, you know, you're still over that threshold that was your goal. Um, And for giveaways, I think it's just like... I'm really conscientious about like, what does this giveaway represent to my brand? Yeah. Like I'm really conscientious about like what sponsored product posts I'll do. Like does this vacuum post for a vacuum that costs $400 like add to my brand or is it just a free vacuum? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so thinking about what you could give away that's like a big value add is a great option for giveaways. Um, 
I think also like finding some of your, of your designer friends and doing like a follow Friday round robin kind of thing is really fun because it's fun to get to follow other accounts that have similar styles or maybe different styles, but complementary, you know, values or missions, et cetera. Um, so then you get, you know, 10 people and it's like, oh, go follow them. And then that person features the next person. And then that person mm-hmm. features the next one. I think that is really fun. It's a great thing to put in stories and you can get new followers that way. Um, but honestly, the best way to get new followers is to make sure you're tagging your retailers and your vendors and you can stack them. You know, when you tag a photo, you can mm-hmm. stack the tags so that you can't actually yeah. see what's who you tagged because getting regrammed by big accounts is the yeah. honestly I feel like that is the biggest way to grow your it's following and, I, um, and whether it's been like press or people have just you know like I feel like we started growing really fast when we did my kitchen like that kitchen blew up and was everywhere mm-hmm. got picked up like six times by media and that's when it was like quick and it's kind of that momentum has stayed on, but that's because every single time I post that kitchen, I tag every single vendor again and then they'll pick it up again. And then I get another boost of another 2000 followers, et cetera. Totally. Um, so just to make sure you're stuff. always tagging because I mean, I do work, I, we do represent brands and that's where we find our content. Like we're desperate for people to tag us so we can share their work. So yeah. just make sure you're always tagging your vendors. Okay. That's smart. totally, I love that. That's, I mean, that's something that even if you don't have tons of them in a, in a photograph, like you can still find a couple things. Like I know I've done that with, I have kitchens and kitchens are tough because it's not always like big brands or the cabinetry or stuff like right. that. Like I told versus like a furnished and accessorized room has quite a few opportunities usually, but right. even in the kitchen, you can still get you can still get the appliance that's in it. You can still get some of the like, like yeah, the accessories hardware, that are around the, the sink, the hardware. Yeah. The runner, Even if the it's like company, the, paint, I mean, yeah. the, the countertop company. The other like, thing is like, I would usually tag two or three like publishers as well. Like tag IDCO, tag us. Like we always pull content to put on the blog. Um, mm-hmm. But like, SMP Living or Rue or Domino or My Domain. That's where their editors go through to find the next thing that they need to write about. People are paid to figure out content to come up with for these publications. Right. So just make sure that you're putting that content out there, making it easy for them to do their job. Um, I didn't even think about that, that they're, it's when they're tagged in a post, they can go to their feed then and see the tag versus if they're just mentioned in the comment or in a hashtag that you can, they can still keep going back to that content in their yes. feed and see where they're tagged. The trick- I look at tags. I'll be- Making sure that you tag the brand or the um, publication in the photo is key. Cause like I was saying, you can only see like your last 50 notifications. So, you know, SMP Living gets like, I don't know, gajillions and gajillions of likes or whatever. I'm sure. In 0.5 seconds, they've missed your tag. So they don't see it. So you need to make sure that you tag them in the photo because they'll always be able to see that they were tagged in a photo versus just in the caption. That's huge. That's huge. Especially because I feel like there's such a long lead on getting publications interest. And I recognize that that takes a long time. Rebecca and I have had various press and, you know, in our projects and 
it's a long lead up and it takes time for them to discover a project and then to pick something up and then to get it on their calendar to assign a writer. And now most of them even have like freelance writers. So they're not all in house. So there's, there's, it's even more challenging for them to react quickly on content unless it's staying present in mind, like your kitchen, like it's, it's there, bam, we just saw it. And then wait, it came back that next, okay, we need to get on this. Like obviously people like this and want to see it. Right. And they can expose an even bigger audience to it. So that's exciting for them to get the click-throughs onto their feed and onto their sites too. Yeah, and you were totally right about the fact that most of them are using freelance writers. Um, you can usually go to a publications like, um, I don't know the word like roster of who they have writing for them and like go yeah. and stalk those writers and follow them on Instagram and make sure you engage with their account so that you know you're putting yourself in front of them so that when they need that quote about the best white they're like oh shoot I need this quote I have a deadline at three let me go ahead and call Anastasia like so yeah. um you just need to I think slide into those DMs <laughs> it, or just be present like just be engaging just people it on instagram now just expect to be able to put out content and just like the world's gonna come find them and that's just not the case because every other person out there is doing the same thing everybody is coming from a place of vanity just by nature and they're mm -hmm. concerned about them and so when you're liking other people's posts before you're posting your own when you're finding these editors and following them and engaging with them in their space before you invite them back to yours it's a much easier sell and it's a much faster growth strategy totally it's um it's so different and that i think like you said like people were expecting that so we almost got trained so going back probably at least about three years ago mm -hmm. before a lot of those major algorithm changes it was that easy you post some pretty stuff you're you're reaching 10,000 20,000 people it happens so quickly and easily but that was also the downside of that is that you're just inundated with so many people but not necessarily c connecting with any of them at all there's just way too many and now it's that they're trying to get to the other side of that which is well we developed this platform so people could connect and meet each other and learn things from each other and build community online um i mean it's one it, that's how rebecca and i met even so it was like for some i think it's they're still executing on that but we have to change what we view the success measure to be mm -hmm. instead of just focusing on exposure and number it's how many people can i connect to on an individual level yeah i always tell people like do what is actually enjoyable to you because then you'll want to do it. It'll come across as something more engaging, more real. If you don't, yeah, if you don't want to show behind the scenes of the floor guys in your <laughs> bedroom, don't do it. But to me that I'm, I'm so like keyed up about it. It's so fun. And that comes through. People know how excited I am. So the enthusiast says, make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought of th something funny that I was remembering because uh, Anastasia, you and I were DMing back and forth on Instagram a couple weeks ago about our like random like Disney crossover 
Oh yeah. <laughs> when we were both like, we had both worked for the mouse at one point um, here in Southern California. So you grew up in Southern California then. I kind of grew up all over the place. I went to high school in LA. Yeah. Okay. And then Rebecca, you're from, or grew up Orange in Orange County. County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we all have that connection, which I think it's weird to, or it's interesting to watch how people navigate around each other and could be just a few degrees away from each other at any given point, And then something snaps and people connect to each other. And I that's what that's... I think is the magic of Instagram. Cause like you guys come totally. out on Instagram, Lexi, my, my business partner and absolute, like people are like, Oh, she's your work wife. I'm like, no, she's like my life wife. Like she is my, <laughs> she's my person. Um, it, it, it's, it's a magical place because passing someone on the street, you don't get to know all of their, you know, deep passions just walking by them. And Instagram gives you that opportunity to see what they're passionate about and relate to them and find them through the discovery tools that they provide you with hashtags, et cetera. And so I think Instagram is such a beautiful, wonderful platform. If you can step back and be like, look at how much it's actually given us. Like my dearest, mm-hmm. most wonderful friends, mentors, opportunities clients have come from Instagram and like no they don't pay me to say this but (laughs) I know that I know we all kind of get bummed out sometimes and it sucks when you spent a lot of time creating that shot or writing that caption and then you're like wait why did that bomb and then just like you were saying it's think about what that one-on-one connection is because like I would trade all of the money I've invested and all of the time and energy I've put into it for my friendship with Lexi 100 times over. So um, a million times over, like there's no quantitative ratio I could swap those out for. Um, But I I just think that if we can come at it from that perspective and how you can be connecting with someone one-on-one and how then you can, you can change their life. I mean, like you guys change people's lives with design so much more than I ever could with web design or branding. Um, I mean, you guys shape the way that they live in such a powerful way. And I think that that's such a gift that you guys have to share with the world. Oh, that's That's like a beautiful way to wrap it up. Like, (laughs) that on a quote that's the warm fuzzy we weren't expecting (laughs) always warm fuzzy (laughs) we always um that's like a that's hard to move on from because i know that that's that's so much of the magic that we talk about with clients that i don't think you really understand it and so it's been reassuring to hear from some of my clients that i've been talking to while we've been in lockdown and um just touching base with them about like personally how are they not not hey got any bones to throw this way no it's just like (laughs) I'm thinking about your family because we did that work in your living room and you like and I know that you have a child who was away at school and now they're coming back and you have little ones and um, so many of them are like oh, I'm so glad we did that and I'm so glad we worked on that with you because we're there every day now we're doing this all the time and maybe that has brought a lot of awareness um back to the importance that it plays because people are seeing it now every single day. It's not just a part of their home that they appreciate in the evening anymore. It's all day, every day. No kidding. Can I squeeze one more tidbit on top of that? I know you guys Yeah. Um, I know a lot of you guys are, I hate to use the word scared, but like it is a scary time. It's 
an uncertain time and things can feel like everything you've been working to build has potentially been ripped out from underneath you because you can't work on people's houses right now. The economy isn't certain. You're like, what's going to come out of this? I rent a luxury service. Is someone still going to need me? And I, I just want to leave a tidbit that I really feel like interior designers are in an incredible position of power right now because after people have been locked with their family in their houses for months on end they understand now more than ever how their space lives what works and what doesn't and i think people are going to come out of this so eager to improve upon that and resolve issues that they came across and for nothing else feel refreshed. They're going to be ready for a refresh. And I think you guys can really capitalize that on the most, in the most genuine and natural way and just be prepared to be positioning yourself for that. And just don't give up guys. Like I really think that this is a unique opportunity for you and just hang in there right now when I know you guys can't be doing installs, focus on getting all your designs approved by your clients focus on like really buttoning everything up, work on your interior processes within your business, work on adding your alt tags or whatever that is, <laughs> those little kind of do's that have been on back burner and just be prepared because people are going to be ready to revamp their houses. I'm ready yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stoked. Thank you. Thank you, Anastasia. I want, I want to do something, um, something fun. We, in the last couple of episodes, we have been, either Rebecca and I are surprising each other or guests with different, different uh, situations of if you were in quarantine, do you, <laughs> would you be open to playing Who Would You Rather Quarantine Edition with male celebrities? 100%. I just, <laughs> I just hope I'm cool enough to know who you guys are talking about. That's what oh, I said. We always, yeah, it's always a surprise. So, um, okay. So, and if you don't know, and we can always talk about what we'll just have to edit those out. We'll just keep going. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, who would you rather be quarantined with, Chris or Liam Hemsworth? Definitely Chris. Oh, wait, is his wife there or not? No, (laughs) probably. No, I'm assuming no. This is just them. I mean, it's isolation. So, right. (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah. Um, James or Dave Franco? I think I'd go with Dave. Dave seems kind of cool, actually. Yeah, I feel like. But it's not in his head yet. I think I would tire of. Of James? Yeah, I think I would tire of it. We talked about that in another one we did with Rebecca, where it was like, that might get exhausting. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have the patience for that, so. Okay. So, and then one, one more, Luke or Owen Wilson? Definitely Luke. Uh, I thought that was coming. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I feel like I would agree with, I agree with all three of those. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind any of them. <laughs> Correct. Right. Yeah, like, there's not really a wrong answer. <laughs> I don't know. Fun game. That really makes you think. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I just have to say I am so thankful to be quarantined with my husband because 
he is the sweetest, kindest, lowest key person who does every chore in the book. And I never have to ask him. And I'm like, I kind of was a little scared because we didn't necessarily spend tons and tons of time together. And now we're spending all the time together. Right. Cause you were going into your office a lot more. Yes. Well, and yeah. he was working in his office and he plays ice hockey two nights a week and he like has all these like clubs and he's like super cool. And like, I'm just at home working on my computer <laughs> on the couch late at night. Um, and it's actually gone like so well. So I'm going to go home where awesome. I like, tonight and just watch like it's no, for sure. That's, but no. it's good to put that like grateful energy back out there that like, Hey, we're making it like, this is okay. Like, this is temporary. We are doing a good job. We, I still, I would still be living in this house with you when quarantine is over. Like, yeah, I'm thankful my husband's still going to work. So <laughs> <laughs> he would not. I mean, want I'm not. I'm not mad that on my projects going. and yeah. It's well, and he doesn't have good. to live through Rebecca the construction during the day. Most he gets to see no. a smaller window of it, and you're the one there living through it. Yeah, the Rebecca, day, the least, creative so. process is not his cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. not his favorite version. <laughs> yeah, Anastasia, I can't thank you enough for. I have all, like I have like a whole list of just affirmations and takeaways from today's episode, and I hope that the listeners have the same experience that they feel confident that they can handle these, that they're achievable. And I would want to make sure that if they're not already following you, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Yeah. So you can follow us at the Identity Collective and that's identity with an E. Um, and if you are into web design or just want some inspiration, our creative studio is at idco.studio. Yeah. And you have some beautiful templates and I know I see the releases and I'm following along with them and what I think is super special about the templates that you create for the websites is that you only make them accessible to 10 designers so yeah. it's very unlikely that the whole community around you is going to end up with the other nine if you get one of them which still helps you kind of stand out in your market and Be with unique. the clients that you're trying to reach yeah thank you so much for um taking the time to notice that's something that we do yeah it was really important to me that we let everybody kind of you know a template has to serve more than one person that's why we created them but i feel like 10 is a really good number because like i said there's enough work for everybody so um you can really spread that out and feel like you have a super bespoke and custom website for way less than what our full service packages are and it's Completely. really exciting to be able to bring that like a much more attainable value thank you thank you for coming on Thank you guys so much. This was so fun and such a fun hey. way to wrap up the week. Seriously. Oh, yes. We can get on to, I mean, we're, we're recording for our audience. We're recording on a Friday, so it's time to go get a cocktail at my house. It's five o'clock, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, almost. Pretty much. Well, That's no, it's, 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 it's quarantine five o'clock. It's 430. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 630 here, so I should be like, oh, you're. Yes, oh, you're overdue. Wow. You better get going. <laughs> get caught up. Thank you, Anastasia. Thank you guys so, so much. much. Really, thank you for having me. Like, it, this does not get lost on me. It's an incredible um, honor. Oh, so thank you. Thank you. So yeah, we'll be in touch. Bye. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We're keeping the conversation going on Instagram. So don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. Because I'm like, here we are, the little fish, like, hey, would you be interested in talking to us? Like... (laughs)